her and I were talking about saying that verse sometime, and glad she said it tonight, when it's going to go right with the message that we're going to be looking at here tonight. In Philippians 4.8, this evening, I don't know if you know, notice the end of that psalm, the little tidbit at the end of that, I think that um, most of the time at that end, who is the king of glory, so there would have been the the music leader would have said the first part, and then he would have said, who is the king of glory? And then the congregation would have said the, the second part, kind of like a responsive reading, if you will. Uh, uh, so um, uh, a lot of the psalms are like that, um, where you've got the leader uh, saying one thing and the congregants saying the other, uh, saying the, other the, the response to it. So just a thought, just a little thought there, a little good little thing to think about. Philippians 4.8, we have progressed now through three of the eight, uh, uh, three of the eight uh, scripturally inspired things to think on. All right, I say that like that because uh, the scripture inspire the scripture is inspired here. It's telling us what to think on. Now, the Bible, like I said, I've said it many times, is that. God could have told us to think on a lot of different things, right? And we're lots of good things to think on. This is not a limited list, but uh, we are given a direction on what to think on. Uh, we have been told and we've been taught, we've already been looking at, that we should think on things that are true. And I think that was a good thing. That the re- I think there was a reason why the Lord chose that word first is because God is true, Jesus is true, and the word is true. And so you've got these three, and uh, we looked through the study on the Gospel of John and how uh, Jesus, uh, every single time in the Gospel of John, uh, when he claimed uh, to be truth, uh, a lot of times right after that, he would match up that the Word of God is true. He would put the two together, uh, and I believe showing to us that he is the Word uh, of God. He is the Word of God. And the Word of God is true. The second thing that we looked at was that we ought to think on things that are honest. Or as we might think of it like this, things that are honorable. Uh, that we think on honorable things. Not dishonorable. We saw how we could do that also. But then thirdly, last week we saw uh, think on things that are just. And what does that mean? That means things that are right. Things that are right. Uh, we ought to be thinking on things that are right, things that are good, things that are just, uh, equitable thoughts. Uh, we should be thinking, um, I, I know there's the old adage where people say, uh, well, life's not fair, son. I understand that, and life isn't fair, but we should be thinking fairly, you know. Um, nobody likes it when a, when a ref blows a game, right, uh, or whenever he makes an, an unfair call and then causes the other team to lose. Nobody would consider that. So we like fairness in those ways. And so we ought to think fairly. And we looked at several ways, and we could do that. I'm not here to re-preach these messages, just reminding you of where we were at last time. And then tonight we are thinking on things that are pure. That is our subject here this evening, simply because that's the next word on the list, right? Uh, so we're on thinking on things that are pure. We're, there's eight things to think on in this particular list that he gives to us, and I hope to see them all. In fact, uh, we'll probably, uh, if you're with us here next Wednesday night too, we'll probably uh, restudy the, this thing here because in my studies here, I'd notice that there's a whole other side to the purity aspect that we're not going to get to tonight. I don't have... 
I don't really have time tonight to, to do that. Um, and so uh, I want to I maybe get into that next week. Uh, but this evening, we're looking at that we should think on things that are pure, things that are pure. Remember this, too, that when we're talking about thinking on things that were pure, uh, remember we're, we are making a separation. And there is a separation. The Bible makes a clear-cut separation between things that we think about or things that are in our heart and things that we actually do, things that we actually do. Um, for, for instance, uh, in the Ten Commandments, you've got those last six right there, and five of the last six are things that people do, things that people do. Um, so, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. But what about the last one? What does it say? Thou shalt not, what? Covet. So, God is equally concerned with what is happening with our hands as well as what's happening in our heads and in our hearts, right? And I've said this many times, and you're probably going to get tired. I'm going to say it eight messages or maybe nine now, is that what goes on in the head, what happens in the head moves to the heart and moves to the what? Hands. Head to heart to hands. And if you look in God's Word too, and I did this already, I want to take the time to do it again, but we did see also that there is a separation between heart and mind in the Word of God. There is a lot of separation there too. You can be th- Psalm 42, the perfect example of that. The separation between spirit and soul, some might say. That what is happening up here can affect the heart, can affect the inner soul of a person. And we have to have a heart that's fixed on God so that our heart that's fixed on God can speak to our head and say, no, you're wrong. Amen? Uh, listen, every thought you think is not right. Amen? Amen? Just in a general sense, every thought that you think is not right. I'll never forget that I made a, uh, I was working on a, uh, working on a water heater, and I thought that you use this wire to that wire, but instead it was that wire to that wire, but the one that I did, this wire to that wire, caused the whole entire thing to fry, and it cost $1,400. So even in general, we don't always think right, Right? And wrong thinking. So sometimes we have to tell ourselves, no, don't do that. That's not a smart move. Um, Don't do that. Not very smart to do. Um, One person said that with 10,000 thoughts in one day, it's bound to be that we're bound to have at least one that is bad. Turn to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7. And I want to start this message by kicking it off with this proverb. By showing to us that this evening, that if we think impurely, then we will end up being impure. Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 23, 7. This is in reference, uh, if you wanted to grab the context of verses 1 through 7, this is in reference to the envious or to the covetous man. And for it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it's a warning to those that are around envious and covetous people. And he says, eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. And so it is with every sin, I believe. You become what you think. You become what you think. 
And that is probably no truer of a statement than when referring to purity. When referring to purity. You become what you think. The word pure in our, in our Bibles here before us, so you can go back to Philippians 4, 8, and we'll just read the verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So, what is the whole purpose of this study? The whole purpose of the study is so that, that when we think correctly and we think like the Scriptures teach us to think, then God's peace can come into our hearts and to our minds and can help us. He's telling us that the God of peace shall be with you. Uh, look at verse number, uh, verse number 6 tells us, or verse number 7 says, this, this word peace or peace of God is bookend, uh, verse number 8 is bookend by these two things, by peace. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and what? Minds. And so then it's no wonder that he says in the very next verse, what? Think on these things. Why? So that the peace of God may be in our hearts and in our lives. But if you're not thinking correctly, you can about guarantee it that the peace of God is going to flee. The peace of God is going to flee. Now, peace with God is something different than peace of God. We've said that a lot of times, but I'll just say it again. The peace with God is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. You've made peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved. Praise God, the peace with God cannot be removed from your life. But the peace of God is not always guaranteed upon us. And especially when our thoughts run away from God. It's obvious that when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, that the peace of God was not in his heart. He thought he was going to die. He even asked God to kill him. Anybody that's asking God to kill them obviously doesn't have the peace of God in their hearts. So that's why it's important that we think rightly. The word pure in our text here uh, means clean. That's really uh, what it properly means. Um, the idea of, of a uh, cleanness. Um, we thought we think of, think of it like this. Uh, we have a pure drinking water, right? It's clean. It's clean. That's, what, that's the basic idea of purity. It's clean. It's, it's, it's able to be drunk. It's able to be, it's clean is what it is. But figuratively in the word of God, it means lots of other things. It means to be innocent. It means to be modest. It means to be perfect in the sense of perfect, not in that you are perfect, perfect, but that you are mature is the idea. Mature in your walk with God. That it means also to be chaste, clean, and pure. These are the ways that it's translated. It's also, it's also might be, it's derived from another word that you know very well in God's word, a word that's used multiple times, and that is the word holy. That's really where the word pure comes from. It comes from the word holy. So you can't separate it from that. So the thought is this, is that we are to be thinking holy, chaste, clean thoughts, pure thinking. So if you flip that around to the negative, if you're thinking... Uh, immodestly, impurely, uncleanly, then obviously we're not thinking pure thoughts. I'll say this too before we begin into the message tonight, 
is that, remember, there, like I was still saying also, is that there is a separation between the thinking and the doing. If you're doing things that are unjust, untrue, let me just look at my list here, unlovely, that are, that are not of a good report, if you're doing things that are like that, then obviously you're thinking that way too. Is that clear tonight? So, so if you're already in the doing action, then you're past the thinking action. All right? So the point being, I think, with Paul here for us is that we stop sin and we begin goodness in the mind and in the heart. It's not something that comes at random, but rather we think truly. We think purely. We think with a good think on things with a good report. This requires us to be mindful about what we're thinking about. It requires us to think on these things. So tonight I want us to notice a few things about pure thinking. About pure thinking. Um, number one is this. Number one is this, and I'll have four points for you tonight. And they are, I'll just go ahead and give them to you. Is that we need to have pure thinking in what we wear, what we watch, with our words, and the whys and the wherefores about life. All right? Our motives, pure motives. The word of God speaks to these things clearly. So there needs to be pure thinking about what we wear. Now, of course, in our society today, people don't want to wear anything. You know, there are some people that obviously don't do it at all. Um, but we live in a culture and a society that is not much different than, I believe, in some of the ways of, the Bibli- of, of Paul's biblical times. We live in an immodest culture. We really do. I mean, they're all, it's on the billboards. It's in the, I mean, I mean, you got your kids, you know, in the supermarket aisle, you know, sometimes. And there's just, you know, there can be immodesty right, right, right there in front of you. There is immodesty on TV. The immorality that is promoted. Um, immodest women are said to be the beautiful women. Those are the ones that are promoted. The, those are the ones that are put out there. Uh, the world says that a woman ought to relish in, in modesty and relish in these things. Um, don't cover up. That's demeaning to a woman uh, to cover up. But what's interesting to me is that that's exactly what God did after the fall. <laughs> Isn't he? The very thing that the world says, the world says you don't have to put on any clothes. But the very thing that God did to sinful man right after the fall was that he put clothes on them. Isn't that interesting? And the Bible says it like this. He says he put on coats of skin, plural and plural. Coats of skins. I'm sorry, I misquoted that. Quotes, coats of skins. The word coat there means, uh, it means a shirt, it means a robe or a covering. Now, God didn't put on Eve a little skimpy bikini, all right? I, you know, it kind of bugs me when I see the little kids, you know what I mean, pictures of what's happening. And, you know, Adam's got, you know, the boxer briefs on and, you know, Eve's got her, you know, got her bikini on, you know. And it's like, you know, that's not what God said. God said coats of skin, coverings, all right. He covered them 
up, all right? And we could talk a lot about that, and I'm not here to speak on that too much, but I just want you to let you know that, you know, he didn't have a shirtless Adam and a, and a bikini-clad Eve there in, in the garden. He had coats of skins. But you look at your society today. Look at uh, things that are happening around um, there. Sometimes, you know, as a man, as a Christian man, sometimes you might go into some places, some establishments, and you got to walk with your head to the air, you know, because of what you might see. But it's everywhere. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you know, I, you know, I just you, you see that you see the guys, you know, they, they think they can just run down the road with their bellies. You know what I mean? Out and just just it's like, I don't want to see that, man. You know, cover that up. You know, get that thing covered up. Get your body covered up. Uh, get covered up. Uh, but the TV shows that you watch, um, the things that you see uh, out in public. Yes, it is every person's responsibility. Now, now, don't get me wrong. It's every person's responsibility to do what they need to do with their eyes. All right? There's some, you know, guys out there that are so perverted that they would, you know, you could have a woman wearing a gunny sack and they could be thinking evil, you know? So there's, so there's, there's all kinds of people out there, no doubt about it. But we need to realize as Christians that we need to have a liberty. We, we don't have the liberty to just wear whatever we want to wear. That there needs to be pure thinking about what we wear. The Bible says think purely. Pure thinking. Purely. Uh, you know, think about what you're wearing. Think about what you're putting on. Um, the world says it doesn't matter. But God, obviously it did in Genesis chapter number 3. Uh, it was very clear uh, to the Lord that this was inappropriate, what they, were ha- what they had on in their fig leaves, no doubt. So there is a pure thinking in what we wear, all right? But that transitions really easily over into another point, is that there needs to be pure thinking in what we watch. Because what people are wearing... On what we're watching is oftentimes not lined up with the Word of God either. We need to be careful in what we're watching. Chuck Smith, um, Calvary Chapel, uh, one that started Calvary Chapel, said about this verse, he said, well, that pretty much eliminates television, doesn't it? (laughs) That's what he said. Don't be mad at me, bad, bad at Chuck. He's dead anyhow, so... Of all the mental pollution that is going on night after night of over-the-major networks, our whole nation is being polluted by television industry and by the movie industry. Why? Because it is having people think on things that are impure, unholy, filthy, unrighteous, immoral, and there's other things there that we just don't need to see. Pure thinking in what we wear, pure thinking in what we watch. You know, you just, if you're going to have pure thinking... You're just going to have to give up soap operas, right? Do, do they even have soap operas? I know that was big when I was a kid. And soap operas was a, was a big thing. They might still have it. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, now we don't need soap operas only in the afternoons. I think they might still have it. Now they've got them on at night, too. They just don't call them soap operas anymore. So the movie executives were really smart. You know what they did? They designed soap operas, and then they started putting in explosions, and fires, and police chases. That's why, you know why they did that? To get the guys, too, you know? 
That's what they did. Basically, all the shows that come on Thursday night or Tuesday night or whatever night they come on are basically soap operas with a little bit of action intermixed in all of it, you know? That's what it is, you know? But what do you got in, what do you have in those just like you have in the soap operas in the, in the daytime? You've got couples that are not married living together committing fornication. You always got to have a gay couple in them now. Always got to have, you know, uh, sodomites in there every single time. Got to have that. You got you to have the immodesty, you know. In fact, that's the preview, isn't it? You know, you can be watching Price is Right at 11 o'clock and they're going to, you know, throw a, throw, a, throw a preview up there on the commercial break about what's happening at 7 p.m. that night and there's some immodestly clad person on there. And you're like, oh, man, you know, you're not even watching the show. You're getting it. You've got the glamorization of alcohol, and you've got uh, even shows, uh, even some shows, and, 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 and that surprisingly, surprisingly go into gross detail on sexual and children assault, sexual assault. I mean, that's stuff that we don't need to watch. We don't need to, those are in, that's impure thinking is what that is. Sometimes you can't even watch the news or read the news. Do I, do, you know, do I really, do I really, is it necessary for really for me to know the gruesome details of a child abuser? But people are into this kind of stuff. You say, how do you know? How do you know? Because those are the top stories. Because people, it feeds their flesh. Listen, you and I would probably never kill somebody. All right? But a lot of people like to watch 2020 and find out how somebody kills people. I mean, they like to see the photos of the blood splattered on the ground, and they like to see how it happened. They like to see the investigations and how it all, how it all came down. and like to see all those kinds of things. Why do we do that? Feeding the impure thinking. It's not edifying. You know, I don't, I don't need to look at the e-news and figure and see... You know, what Hollywood actress is sleeping with another Hollywood actress or actor? That's just impure thinking. Impure. Marriage is honorable in all, Hebrews 13, 4, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. It's really kept in the, in the, in the living, in the, in the room there. You can't, I mean, there's novel, I mean, you could go, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but there's novels that we, you know, we need to stay away from. And there's obviously, and I'll say this, and I'll say this as, I know who is our audience this evening, but I'll say this as respectfully as I can uh, and honorably as I can. But, and obviously there is an entire industry out there that is dedicated to immorality and indecency and the destruction of women, values, morals, and purity. Just think, just think about this for a second. In our country today, there exists a legal industry that makes billions of dollars for, for, for office of executives that enslaves countless thousands, rapes women, and do, introduces another countless millions to vile, wicked filth, and then also employs those same, those same said children into its devious web. It's called pornography. And it's a legal thing that happens in our country on a... 24-7, 365-day basis. we got to be careful what we're putting in here. What goes in the head goes to the heart, and what goes to the heart goes to the hands is what happens. 
So there needs to be pure thinking about what we wear, about what we watch. Take your Bibles over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 tonight. All of these points that I'm making here this evening could obviously be their own sermon. I'm just hitting the high points on all of it. But James 3 and verse number 8, notice what it says. We need to have pure thinking in our words. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not, to be, ought not so to be. Now look what it says here. This is what I want you to see. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Remember what I said the original, the, 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 the purest, or I hate to say it like that, but the purest word for the word pure means is what? Clean. Clean is what the word is. All right? I've never told my kids, you know, one time, you know, hey, get you a glass of water and put a bunch of salt in that and drink it. I've never said that. I might have said gurgle with some salt water before. You know, that's a gurgle, gargle, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but I've never instructed any of my children to, to swallow down a bunch of salt water. It's why. It's impure. It's not pure. It's not good for the body. It's not clean is why. And so he says here, he says to us, he says, he says can a fountain send both forth salt water and pure water? Good water, sweet water is the idea. Our words can be impure. If we're thinking on impure words in our mind, then they will eventually come out in our, in our mouth. Uh, if, we're, if we're putting impure words in our mind, then we're going to eventually allow them to come out one of these days. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this. It teaches us very clearly. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of, thy, out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We need to be careful, first of all, to be allowing what we allow into our ears. Now this can come again back through the TV waves, back through the YouTube, back through the, back through the movies and all the rest of it, through music. And music has so much ungodly language in it. Some of it, some of it does today. There's so many curse words and there's so many things that a Christian should not be even hearing or at least allowing. I know there's times in our life where we get into a situation and we're going to hear language that we don't want to hear, but that ought to not be the norm for us. We ought to be allowing that into our lives, allowing that into our hearts, because the more that we do so, the more susceptible that we are going to become to saying them, all right? That's not just good psychology, that's good bibliology, all right? Evil communications, what? Corrupt good manners. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's what you think is what you're, going to, what, you're, what you're going to become. We need to be careful with that. But also, think about it in this way, is that impure words that we speak to each other. You got to be careful in your purity with your words whenever somebody hurts you says something evil about you, does something wrong to you, what are you going to say to them? What are you thinking about saying to them? 
If you're starting to think ungodly thoughts and starting to think, well, I I just would say this and I would really tell them this and I'd tell them off and all those kinds of things. I would really, you know, you know what you ought to do? You ought to recognize what you're thinking about immediately and say, you know what, wait wait a second. that's That's not pure thinking. That's not pure thinking. Harris and I have been using this verse a lot, not with each other, thank, thank God, but we've been thinking about it with each other with some other incidents that we've been through, is that grievous words stir up strife. Right? If, if somebody's grievous, if somebody's coming at you with harsh, critical language, and then you yell back and are harsh and critical with you, all that's going to happen is the volume is just getting turned up on the stereo, Right? That's it. But what is the next, what's the next part of the verse? But a soft answer turneth away wrath. A soft answer will bring the volume down. And it will really eventually let the other person realize how foolish they're being for yelling and screaming and hollering. It makes them look like a fool. And they realize it. it quiets them down. We can cut people down. We can gossip about each other. We can use words that tear people apart. Like I said earlier, is that, man, we are in a society today, are we not, that is full of anger and hatred, are we not? I mean, it's just just vile hatred on social media posts and people talking ill and horrible about other people. I wish you were dead. I wish you would die. I wish your family. And I was, I was uh, listening to somebody the other day about uh, they were doing a podcast and uh, he had done a podcast on something else and he was sharing one of the posts that he got. I wish all of your children got cancer and died. You know? I mean, that's, just, that's the kind of world that we live in. People are just this hatred, vilifying everybody, words of hatred. And we need to be careful with our words, what we say about others. There needs to be pure thinking in what we wear, pure thinking in what we watch, pure thinking in our words. And there needs to be pure thinking in the whys and wherefores of life. Turn your Bibles over to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 2. Proverbs 16 and verse number 2. We've got to watch our motives. In the last few minutes here, I want to spend the time with this. Proverbs 16, 2. Say amen if you've got it. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth or judges the spirits. Are the motives, or what's happening in the heart, the attitudes. I mean, a child can take out the trash, right? But he can also take out the trash with an attitude, right? He can do what's right, but he can also do what's right in a wrong way. We all understand this. We get that. That makes sense for children. But that does apply for adults too. Amen? We can do the same thing. 
we can do the exact same thing. And we've got to watch our intentions, our motives in life. But I thought it was so interesting. Look at verse number two. I don't know why I've never seen this before. But in verse number two, it tells us that the Lord is going to weigh the spirits. And this matches up so well. Look at verse number three. Now what does he say to do to us in verse three? They're connected. Look at it. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And what's going to happen? Your thoughts are going to be established. When you realize that God is judging and weighing the spirits and the thoughts and the attitudes and the motives and the whys and wherefores of life, then guess what? You'll start committing your works and your thoughts to God because you fear God. If you fear God, you'll start being concerned about your thought life because you know God sees the thought life. God sees everything. He knows everything. Uh, Naomi quoted the Psalm 24. I'll just read it to you. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. God sees the impure thinking. God sees the impure, uh, the impure thoughts that we have. He sees the impure actions that we have. This should be a motivation for all of us to check up on our thinking. Check up on our thinking. As one preacher said, I think it was Brother Robert not too long ago, he, was, he would said, check up on your stinking thinking, right? Make sure you don't have any of that. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 5, notice what it says. Paul tells us why we do this. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Why? Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest, listen to it, the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. God one day is going to reveal it all. He's going to let us know that he's seen it. Be careful with your motives. If we try to get an advantage over someone while making ourselves look good, that's an impure motive, right? We're trying to get the advantage over someone, but what we're actually trying to do, we're trying to make ourselves look good and make them look bad. Manipulation. We've got to be so careful that we don't try to manipulate factors to our own goodness. That we don't manipulate things to our own advantage so that we look good. David manipulated, remember King Achish of the Philistines by uh, convincing him that, oh, I'm over here killing uh, my own people. When in reality, he was killing the allies of the Philistines so that he could be okay and stay in his little town and and be all right and, and, and think what you will of that. But he was telling Achish a lie. He was manipulating him so that he could stay away from Saul. And through all of that, Judas um, manipulated the money back. Did he not? He fixed the numbers, right? Because what? The Bible lets us know that they didn't even know about it during the whole time. It wasn't until after it was done and he had hung himself and somebody got the books and added up the numbers and said, wait a second. You know, that doesn't make sense. That's not right, right? I mean, Martha gave us $30 over here, and and he wrote down 25. 
You know? You know, don't be trying to manipulate things or skew the numbers to make yourself look good or so that you don't have to pay as much taxes or so that you can have a few more dollar bills in your pocket. Listen, God will get those dollar bills. God will get those dollar bills. Don't be trying to manipulate God on your tithes, amen, either. Trying to hide it from God. I'm just going to keep this in my pocket, you know what I mean? I really, you know, I didn't really, you know. I know I made $100, but it was cash. I don't got to report it, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know? Listen, I I try to report everything to God. Amen? I I I want a clean account. As one preacher said, I don't want to get to heaven with any money of his in my pockets. <laughs> Impure motives. Learn to question your motives. Learn to question your motives. Why, why am I getting this job? Right? Why am I moving? Why am I buying this big ticket item? Why am I doing that? Why am I, you know, I, don't, I would hope nobody's doing this, questioning this tonight, but why am I leaving my marriage? Why, why am I leaving this church? Why, why don't I like that person? Why am I always angry Why are we doing fill in the blank? Some wrong motives. You might write these down. This might be helpful for you. But some wrong motives might be some wrong motives might be covetousness and doing it to impress others. Pride. Jealousy. My sister has this, so I've got to have this, right? Envy, lust, fear. It's an impure motive. Fear is always an impure motive. Impure. Debt. Debt. Oh, we've just got to go, you know, we've got to go, you know, a million dollars in debt for this thing, you know? Do you you have to? you really have to do that? Right motives could be, and this is not limited to, right motives could be um, we need to make an improvement. Something's broken. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be improved. There's a need that needs to be done. I don't think you need to go to the grocery store, the ladies, the next time and uh, look at down the bread aisle and the milk aisle and go, now, Lord, do I really need to buy the milk today? You know, do I really, do I need to buy this bread here? Uh, is this what I really need? No, it's, it's a need. You, you, need to, you need to get it. If that's what you need, then, then go ahead. I'm not asking yourself to go, to go crazy. Now, if you're not careful, you'll go crazy on the motive thing, Right? Be questioned, you'd just be going nuts. The will of God. A right motive could be the will of God. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, right? 
For this is the will of God, that you give thanks in everything. Right? It's the will of God. Do it. A right motive could be doing something that's useful or helpful. It could be just because you're able to do it. Now, don't use that. There might be, needs to be some other questions that go behind that. But that might be just part of the right motive. I am able to do this. I am able to do this. I know there were times in our life that there, was, there were times in our life that we couldn't buy certain things or that we couldn't go certain places just for the simple fact that it would not have been financially wise to do so. We were not able to do it, you know. So are you able to do it? And just do the right thing. Do the right thing. We, can all, we all have struggled with impure thinking. Whether it's what we wear, what we watch, what our, with our words, or with the motives that we have in life. There are many other factors in which probably go into impure thinking, no doubt about that. But we are to think on things that are pure. When we think on things that are pure, the Bible tells us here that we'll be blessed with the peace of God. The peace of God. Turn over to Matthew 5 and we'll close. I'll give you one more reason to be thinking purely. Matthew 5, 8. I wanted you to turn there. Because I couldn't remember the rest of the verse. <laughs> Lord said, you're going to be pure in your thoughts right there. You better say it right. So, but I do want you to see it too. Look, look what it says. It says, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. You want to be blessed of God? You want to see God? You want to see God work in your life? Then have pure thinking. Pure thinking. It's just one of the ways in which we can think correctly. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God. We ask that, Lord, you please would help us and correct us, Lord, in the areas in which we are not thinking purely. I pray that, Father, you would please help us, Lord, to think purely for your glory and for your honor that we may see you. In Christ's name, amen.